Welcome to Radical Simple Living, episode 28. Um, I'm here, I've just been a long day working in the garden, and I've just come in and lit the fire, and a few cats have come in from long days working in the garden too, and we're sitting down to talk to you about something quite important today. We're talking about change. Now, I know some of you at some point in your life have had to sit down into a room where somebody with a flip chart talks to you about change and they're talking about change management or change as a motivational device and all those sort of business jargon things. Well, this has got nothing to do with any of that whatsoever. You'll be delighted to hear. I'm not talking about change to improve sales figures. I'm talking about change to help you live a simpler life more easily. Um, assuming that because you're listening, you want to uh, simplify your life in some way, and most of us do. Some want to do it because they feel it's inherently a good thing to do, and others because we feel that the way the, the planet is going and the resources on our planet are being stretched, only by adopting a simpler lifestyle can we come to terms with those things in any kind of constructive way whatsoever. So that's what we are about today. Now, uh, as you know, I don't script these podcasts, but I do think about them, <laughs> believe it or not. You might find that hard to uh, uh, to believe, but it's true. I do think about them before I sit down to talk. And I try to think about the changes that all of us face in our life all the time. A life without change doesn't really happen uh, the only thing is that some changes are so gradual that we don't notice them and other changes are quite sudden so they can be quite shocking and be quite hard to cope with. And all changes can come in, in those ways, sudden or slow, and some of them we notice and some of them we don't. Um, you know, sometimes when you... Uh, look at yourself in the mirror every morning and you don't notice the changes and all of a sudden you're confronted with a photograph of yourself that was taken 10 years ago and you realise you've changed considerably or you haven't seen an old friend or a distant relative for some years and then you see them and you think goodness me <laughs> I haven't changed but they have well here's the news you have changed too but you don't notice it because the change is gradual. Now, uh, there are three big groups of changes, I think. And I'm going to tell you what they are now. Uh, only my opinion of what they are. You might not agree with me, of course. But I'll tell you what I thought about. And then I'll tell you what I've got to say about all of those things and how we can cope with those changes that take place. Um, let's get going. Now, the first kind of change that we all have to accept, whether we like it or not, is the fact that some things just happen. Every 24 hours, whether you like it or not, you are a day older. And everyone around you is a day older too. Your house is a day older. Your pets are a day older. Time moves on and we have to move with it. Nobody alive can stop that process. There's a bit in the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam, the translation of it anyway, that says the moving finger rights and so on. We cannot change those things. Time progresses. 
And whilst we're aware of time, lots of us sort of fight it, don't we? Lots of us try and hold back time. Uh, lots of us try and fool ourselves that time isn't taking an effect on us. And, and why it's very important to look after our bodies and keep healthy and fit, the last two podcasts have been about that. If you miss those, you can go back and listen later. But although we try and keep ourselves healthy and fit, we cannot stop our bodies changing. Now, as well as we can't change ageing for us or for those around us, we also can't stop those other changes. We can't change the day being 24 hours. I've had a really busy day today. I've been trying to fit in so many things and I'm bound to be disappointed at the end of it because I haven't had time to do all those things as well as I would have liked to. I would have liked to have done everything I'd done in the garden and wash the kitchen floor, but somehow I think that might be put off until tomorrow. We all have to compromise with time passing because we haven't got boundless energy. We haven't got endless daylight. We haven't got any amount of time to spend doing the things we want to do, let alone the things that we have to do. So we have to find ways of coping with the change in time that happens every day. And as time changes, as every day we get older, Every year, we're 365 days old. This is, this is getting cheerful, isn't it? We're 365 days older. Um, 365 and a quarter, for those of you who are a little pedantic. Um, we can't do anything about that. So one of the things we have to do is accept that we can't change ourselves these things, but they're going to change anyway. And the best thing we can do is to learn to come to terms with that and learn to manage our lives in a way that accommodate those changes. So that's the first kind of change, the change that happens to us, whether we want it or not. I'm going to call it natural change. Natural change is what happens to everybody and it's happened to everybody through history. It happened to Napoleon. It happened to Alexander the Great. It happened to George Washington. Uh, it happened to Charles Dickens. It happens to all of us. Now, the second kind of change we might feel happier with at first <laughs> inspection, because the second kind of change is deliberate change. And these are the things that we decide to change ourselves. These are things that we sit down and have a think about and we decide to change. Now, it could be something quite um, meaner. I, I decided to put a blue shirt on this morning. OK, so that was a, a change of shirt and I decided it. And I'm quite happy with my choice of shirt today as it happens. So, so that's good. We might decide, oh, it's time to a haircut. It's time for a beard trim. It's time to decorate the kitchen. It's time to clean out the shed. All of these things are fairly inconsequential, but we do decide them, and so we are absolutely in control of them. We could put off cutting our hair for another week. We could put off decorating the kitchen for another year. So we have control over this. And we may need to consult other people, but basically that's what we need to do. There are, of course, bigger changes 
we might decide to uh, get into a partnership with somebody. We might decide to have children. We might decide to own a dog or several cats. We might decide to leave our job and pursue a different career choice. We might uh, consider getting out of the work uh, uh, routine for a while and, and studying something or doing something for ourselves and working out the finances that see if we can do it. These are big changes that we control ourselves. My biggest change, of course, was leaving uh, the Welsh borders where I was living and with my family and moving to southern Sweden. That was a big, big change. It's a change I'm very happy with, but it's a change I made. And, you know, some people make changes and they're unhappy with them. They're unhappy with the job they've chosen to do. They're unhappy with the partner they've chosen to be with. They're unhappy with the country they find themselves living in or the town they find themselves living in. Well, you can do something about all those things. It takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of time and a lot of money, but you can make those changes. So changes that we are in control of are really something that we have great power over and we can do something about. So in terms of managing it, a little courage is all we lack. That's a quote from a song. As you know, the third kind of change, that change that is the most worrying to all of us, is the change that is imposed upon us, the change that comes down from somewhere else. We may have voted for a certain political party, but if that party doesn't win the election, another party takes over. And that may be a party that we're not happy with. I'm British, so I went through the whole process of Brexit, for instance. And there were those people uh, that were happy with Brexit. And there were those people that were unhappy. But happy or unhappy, uh, those people that didn't want Brexit, and I'll, I'll openly admit I am one of those people, uh, felt that that was a change that we didn't want and we didn't ask for. I know there are lots of people that are happy with it. But there's also a lot of people that think it was a devastatingly awful thing. And it's one of the reasons I moved to Sweden in the first place. There are changes that happen to us that are even bigger than those political things. There are things like climate change. We didn't want climate change and maybe we're responsible for climate change. All of us individually, our little bit. But climate change is happening. And we may not like it, but it's a change that's being imposed upon us. And we have to learn how to react to that change. It's no good saying, oh, I don't believe in climate change. It's not happening. Wake up. It is happening. You know, if you're one of those people out there who don't believe that climate change is happening, hey, I, I don't <laughs> I must have irritated you all the way through these podcasts because I'm working on the assumption that anybody that looks at the facts is going to admit, yes, climate change is happening and yes, it's causing devastating problems. In the last week or two, we've had tornadoes in the southern, southeastern states of the USA. We, we've had 
flooding and, and winds and we haven't heard the end of it. It's not the summer in the northern hemisphere yet and there's going to be forest fires and there's going to be flash floods and there's going to be all manner of things going wrong and we don't know what's going to happen but there's going to be changes that we can't do much about except face up to those changes and respond to those changes. Now some of the changes that happen around you may be changes people that decided. You may have been working for a company for a long time and then the boss of that company decides they're selling up and that's the end and you lost your job. Your partner may decide they've had enough of you and go. You may find that all sorts of things happen to you which you don't feel you've had control over but have happened. And the news is we've got to be able to cope with those things just like everything else that happens to us. We do not have a choice of whether we accept change or not. We've just got to have a change of whether we like it or not but we've got to have a change of things we can do. So that really is the whole essence of today's podcast. There's three kinds of changes the natural change, the change that's under your control, and the change that is being forced upon you, those are the three kinds of changes that we've got to cope with. And that's what we're going to do. Now, it it should already be obvious from what I've said that the first stage of coping with any kind of change is recognising that a change is taking place and acknowledging that change and trying to quantify that change if we can. We could choose to ignore change. We could choose not to do the things that are sensible to do because we don't like the change. But those are difficult things. I don't like it when the clocks change. I don't mind the clocks changing in spring, We've just gone through this in most of the world, and not everywhere, but most of the world. I don't, I don't mind it when the clocks change in spring, because that means getting up earlier and eating meals earlier and going to bed earlier. I can cope with that. The other clock change in the fall, I really, really, really hate. I hate getting up an hour later. I hate eating all the meals an hour later. I hate going to bed an hour later. And you could say to me, well, why do any of those things? Well, there there are children that have to go to school. There are pets that have to be fed. So you have to fit it in somehow. But I know the Amish, um, a group of people who I have enormous admiration for how they live their lives. I might not agree with them on everything, but I can admire them. They don't change their clocks. When the rest of the world changes their clocks, they don't they don't do it. So we might have some power over things we don't think of. But of course, if you're working for a living, if you're using public transport, if your children have to go to school, if you have to go to work, you can't make that decision unless you decide to join the Amish and and not change your clocks. Facing up to changes is one of those things. Now, we all know some people, don't we, who refuse to accept that they're getting older. We all know people that are refusing to accept that most fundamental change. Some of them are celebrities who spend a lot of time in, you know, nip and tuck surgery 
and getting their hair dyed and getting root transplants on the top of their head and you know working out and spending vast amounts of money on cosmetic substances just so the public doesn't realize they're getting older well of course they're getting older we know they're getting older all we think is they're rich enough to try and <laughs> cosmetically change the effects of aging um, uh, by uh, methods that aren't available to the rest of them we know that's true so how can all of us cope with aging well the first thing you've got to do is accept that aging needn't mean things getting worse it can mean things getting better if you look at happiness some of the most unhappy decades of people's lives when terrible things happen to people and, and, and many people take their lives, I'm afraid, or many people become addicted to terrible substances, isn't old age, it's youth. We know that teenage years are incredibly difficult and lots of people find it unbelievably hard to get through those and we do have cases of suicide, young men in particular, who take their lives in their late teens or early 20s. That's a terrible, awful thing. And if I could contrast that for a minute with people in their 60s and 70s who actually report when you ask them, a large number of, not everybody, we all know people that don't fit in with the um, general flow of these things, who say that this is the happiest time of their life. Why is it happy for them? Because they possibly don't have to prove anything to anybody. Their big decisions have been made and quite often they are able to retire from work and they can do what they want to do and so people find that makes them happy. You may not be happy with the fact your face has more wrinkles on every time you look at it. You may not be happy that your hair is going grey or that you're losing your hair. You may not be happy with the fact that your brain isn't quite as alert and snappy as it used to be. But I think you can work hard to look after what you've got. You can try and hang on to those memory cells in your brain. You can try and exercise your brain every day and work on it. You can try and keep physically fit without overdoing it, as we said last week, and living at the gym. You can just make sure that you do what you can to make sure your body is well fed, well exercised and gets a good amount of sleep every night and by that way you are not holding back the clock but you are optimising, you are optimising your health so ageing for you isn't going to be as terrible as it would be if you didn't look after your health. So we need to do those things. We need to also look at those changes we don't like in terms of so-called progress. And I, I say so-called progress because progress is a very difficult thing to appreciate. You can look, as an historian, you can look back at time and you can say, oh, progress was made in the 19th century in terms of public health. And you can look at that, but it's an historical perspective. You can look back and see if progress was made. Sometimes progress isn't made. Sometimes things are sold as progress and sold to us as being a good idea, but they're not. We can look back at the pharmaceutical industry and see a whole range of products from baby powder to thalidomide 
to some artificial sweeteners, all kinds of things which have been sold to us as, oh, this is progress, it's wonderful, we've got a new product, it can do all sorts of things. And it's turned out to be an absolute disaster which has cost people their lives. So progress isn't always good and isn't always heading in the right direction. And some of the things we think of as progress are actually very short-lived, aren't they? We think, oh, it's progress to have an extra television channel. Well, it isn't really because within a few years, nobody cares how many television channels they are because they stream everything online. So progress may be just a stepping stone and some of those stepping stones may be redundant fairly quickly. So in your life, when those changes are taking place, you're getting older day by day, your house is getting older, your children are getting older, your parents, if they're still with you, are getting older. You have to accept those things and you have to learn to take account for them and learn to do things that are going to help help that process along without trying to fight against us. And if you don't like progress in a particular area, consider the ways in which you might think, well, you know what, everybody's saying I should do this, but I'm going to do that. Remember, you don't have to do what everyone else is doing. If there's some new bit of technology which is allegedly changing the world, you don't have to be part of that. If your employer uses it and forces you into a position at work where you have to use it, that's fine. But you don't personally have to do it. Now, those are ways that we can cope with change without ignoring that fact that change is taking place. But the real thing that worries us is what happens when changes take place that we don't like. Here's a change. You might think this is fairly minor, but it's indicative of changes that take place everywhere. I like olive oil. I, I love olive oil. I like to eat olive oil as much as I can. I'm just happy sitting with, you know, bread and olive oil and, and dip the bread in the olive oil, a little bit of garlic in it. And it's fantastic. I like olives in olive oil. So I, I just like olive oil. Now, I used to go to the shops not too long ago, and I'll convert this all into dollars because I know the vast bulk of my listeners are in, in the States or Australia, so the word dollars makes sense, even though they're not the same value, I know that. Um, I used to be able to go to the supermarket here in Sweden and buy a litre of very good quality olive oil, um, very good quality olive oil, and pay about $2 to $3 for it. Earlier in this current economic crisis, I think it was about October last year, that same brand of olive oil went up to $26 in the store. A change I don't like. What can I do about it? Why is it? Well, you know, you can listen to pundits who say, oh, well, it's because of the cost of transportation or it's because of a failure in... Uh, olive crops in Greece and Spain, it's because of the war in Ukraine. You can hear a thousand reasons why olive oil has rocketed up in price. But whatever that the real cause is, we don't know. We've got to learn to cope with it. And we can cope with it in two ways. One, do we choose not to buy the olive oil, to leave it on the shelf? And in Sweden, we're lucky we can get extra virgin rape oil, uh, which also ends up in price almost as much. But that's good too. Do we decide that we're just going to give up that as part of our lives and say, well, I used to enjoy eating olive oil, but now it's so expensive, 
I can no longer have it. Or do we say, I'm going to substitute it for a different kind of oil um, and use that? Or do you say, I'm going to buy it, but I'm going to use it on special occasions only? You know, I'm just going to get it out. At the weekend, I'll have olive oil and all the other days of the week, I'll go without it. Well, all of those are fairly valid ways forward, aren't they? But all of them are doing one important thing. They're accepting the fact that the cost of it's gone up and you can't afford it anymore. There are some listeners out here who are so wealthy that they're going to say, well, you know, I'll just pay the extra. But most of us can't afford to do that. Now, olive oil is an example, but there are thousands of examples out there. I saw this week that a supermarket in Britain, um, who I shall not name, but it begins with A, and it's not Aldi, um, have started putting tubs of butter in security bags. You know those little mesh bags with an electronic device to it, which they normally put things like mobile phones and cameras and things that they don't want to walk out the door on their own in. They've started putting butter in those. Now, whether they did this out of, with a, a sense of humour or whether they've done it because the amount of butter being stolen is a factor, I don't know. All I do know is if you eat that brand of butter, um, it's Lurpak. If you buy that brand of butter and the price of it goes up to, I, I believe somebody said, I, I don't live in Britain, so I can't verify this, that it's it's somewhere between five and seven pounds a tub now uh, in Britain. Uh, five pounds is about six dollars sometimes. The, the, the rate goes up and down to American dollars. Maybe not quite that much, but it's very expensive compared to what it was a year or two ago. There's a change. Nobody nobody wants that change. I'm, I'm sure even the manufacturers of that margarine don't want that change to take place. But you've got to accept, am I going to switch to a cheaper brand? Am I going to use butter more sparingly? You can't decide to use olive oil instead because that's gone up too. So these are the kind of changes that are happening to everybody all the time. And shopping isn't the only thing. Your mortgage rate may have gone up your salary increase this year, if you're lucky to have one, or your pension increase may not be enough to cover the increase in your cost of living. Your electricity bill may have gone up as much as 27% in the last year. Maybe more than that. If it's more than that, let me know. Um, these are changes we don't like. And what can we do? Well, I've gone for the option of using as little electricity as possible. I've really had, I've got these cold boxes now that I, I leave outside. I live in Sweden, they're outside and they I put those ice packs in when it warms up. And because of that, I've managed to uh, turn one of the fridges off I keep. I keep two fridges because I, I don't get to shops very often. I live out in the middle of the woods. I need two fridges, but one of them's gone off and I'm keeping the stuff outside in these cool boxes and it's working very very well they don't use electricity and i worked out that one of these cool boxes cool boxes the cost of them is a third of what it costs to run a fridge over the winter months so you know you can you can find your way around it and what i'm saying to you is you can't go around banging your head against the wall you can't go around posting all the time about how terrible things are on social media. Everyone agrees with you. It's not that there's not a valid point to make. It's just that everybody knows that. 
you can pick it outside your supermarket if you like, but sooner or later you've got to sit down on your own or with other members of your family and decide how this change is going to happen. But these aren't the big changes. These are terrible changes, but they're nothing to what's coming down the pipeline. Because we know the changes in the world's climate, the problems that the financial system is having, the problem of increased prices in food and in energy. And everybody will tell you, oh, the price of inflation is coming down. The price of inflation, the rate of inflation coming down doesn't alter a single price. The prices go up. It doesn't bring any price down. So if inflation was 10.7 last year and it's 6.3 this year, that doesn't mean any prices anywhere are coming down. It means they're going up still, but they're going up at a slower rate. It still means that things are going to cost you vastly more than they did a year or two ago. But that isn't all we've got to cope with. We've got to cope with the big ones. We've got to cope with flooding. We've got to cope with forest fires. We've got to cope with erosion, coastal erosion. People that live by the coast, people that live on the deltas of rivers, losing their homes. We've got to cope with cataclysmic storms that are going to trash people's houses. And we've got to know what to do with those. We've got to face mass migration when all those people who live in parts of the world where climate change is wrecking their lives because there's not enough food or water to live anymore are going to want to pick up sticks and go and live in somewhere in the world that is better or that they think is better. These aren't me being negative and trying to think of terrible things that could happen these are things that actually are happening on our planet now. And we've got to make changes. It, we, well, we haven't got to make those changes happening to us. We've got to make changes to our own life. We've got to make some choice changes to help cope with these disastrous environmental and cost crises that we have. And I don't want to sound negative because I think if we're clever... And if we're smart, and I'm going to use a word now that may not be universally used, if we are savvy, and what being savvy means is using what intelligence you have and using what street wiseness you have and using what knowledge you have to make really clever decisions. That's what we've got to do. Each of us has got to make big sacrifices, but it's better to think about it and to plan ahead. We could all go round being incredibly negative and, and wringing our hands and banging our fists on our chests and looking up to the skies and saying, why us? But it's not going to help. What we've got to do is to change our lifestyle so that us and those close to us are going to be able to cope with the changes that are coming our way. Not just the increased prices, but increased price of the big ones. And my suggestion to you is that you look to ways, you look to ways to grow your own food, you look to ways to process food. If you can't grow your own food, buy it in summer when it's cheap and can it and dry it and freeze it. If you don't know how to do these things, find out. Clothing, don't throw it away, look after what you've got. The best way of coping with increased prices of things is not to go out and have to buy things that you've already got look after them if you've got a fridge look after it if you've got a washing machine look after it 
because with all the other increased prices, you don't want to go out and have to buy new white goods next year. Look after yourselves. Look after your health. Look after the health of your family. Look after the health of your community. Look after your environment. Try to counteract these terrible changes that are taking place, whether we want them to or not, by positive action to make things better. That's the message. That's how we cope with change. We can't ignore change, but we can be aware of changes and we can do what we can to minimise the effect those changes are going to have on all of our lives. Okay, thank you for listening. If this is the first time you've listened to one of my podcasts and you want to come back for more, there are lots of others in my back catalogue, so do check them out and see how many of them will interest you. If you're a regular listener that listens every time I put one of these up, one or two a week, thank you so much. I really do appreciate what you're doing and I thank you very much indeed. Please subscribe to this podcast. Please publicise it if you can and tell other people about it. I will be so grateful and thankful. thank you all. I'm so pleased to have had you here today to talk with you and I look forward to seeing you again next time. Bye for now.